hey, hey. Welcome to Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. I'm Maggie. And I'm Julia. And uh, today we're going to talk about unlikable protagonists, the anti-hero, unlikable people. But um, before we do that, we've got a couple of things to say. That's right, we do. I don't know if you guys know this, but we have a little thing called a Patreon. And if you're looking for more bookish content from us, me and Julia, you can subscribe to our Patreon. We post content each week, including mini-sodes, Q&A sessions, book unboxings, and tons more. This summer, we'll even be doing an exclusive book club for all Patreon members. You can vote for the book club book on our Patreon, and the voting ends on May 31st. Yeah, and if you're in certain tiers, you get fun and exclusive Novel Finds merch, including a cool book bag, uh, if you do our book club as a patron this summer. That's right. It is super cute. You don't want to miss out on that. With four different tiers to choose from, there are many options for more content from us, your favorite Novel Finds ladies. For more information about our Patreon, follow the link in our bio. Also, today's episode is sponsored by Audible. Maggie, do you know what I love more than books? What? Free books. Oh, I thought you were going to say Akotar. Mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> But, oh, that really derailed me for a second. <laughs> if you sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible Premium using the link audibletrial.com slash novelfinds, you get a free audiobook. Wait, I sign up at audibletrial.com slash novelfinds and just automatically get a free book? Yes, you do. You get a credit for whatever audiobook you want. The world is your oyster. This feels like when Belle saw the Beast Library for the first time. Right. So sign up for a free audiobook at audibletrial.com slash novel finds for your free audiobook today. Woo woo. Yeah. Love that free stuff. We love it. Yeah. Well, Remember when I jumped into the dumpster of free books? Oh my God. Honestly, I think about that once a fortnight. Yeah. It's <laughs> like a dream come true. <laughs> dumpster diving for books what more could you want right and it's just a dumpster full of books like there's no weird other stuff in there it's the best every time a friend is like hey do you want this book i don't even ask what the book is the answer is yes i will take the free book I yeah will figure 100%. out if i actually want it later <laughs> and even if you don't want it like it's adding to your library so precisely it's still going on the shelf right <laughs> One hundred percent. I should like have a shelf just of books I will never read, but refuse to get rid of. It'll be like its own little special area. Yeah, I mean, of my shelves, I definitely have an area on like one of the levels of the shelf of books I just won't read. And all the books that I DNF can go there too, so they have a Ooh, little home. Yeah, that's a good idea. Huh. Okay. So today we're talking about anti-heroes slash unlikable protagonists. Uh, Maggie, which book are you talking about? Julia, thank you for asking me. I am talking about My Year of Rest and Relaxation by Otesha Moshveg. Nice. I'm so glad you said her name because I didn't know how. I looked it up. Nice. So. 
<laughs> you never know. Julia, what are you uh, picking for your book today? Uh, I worded that. I am reading um, Vicious by V.E. Schwab. I love that book. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it, Julia. Oh, such a good book. Such a good book. Um, Before we delve into today's episode, we just wanted to give sort of a blanket trigger warning for some of the content. Um, And actually, both of our books today, they both deal with suicide and depression and self-harm, at least in my book. Yeah. That's not your cup of tea. Totally fine. But we just wanted to let you all know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're also going to be splitting this episode as in like Maggie's book's going to go first and then my book's going to go second. So if you are interested in one of them but not the other, we'll make it easier for you to skip around. Hmm. Julia, should I kick us off with a little summary? Ooh, heck yeah. Let's hear your summary. Okay. Full disclosure, you guys, I forgot to write a summary. Um, I know. <laughs> Julia's like maniacally giggling because she always forgets and I always tease her about it. But yes, uh, I forgot. Um, but it is okay because I believe that I can make one up on the fly. But before I do, I'm just going to read as an introduction to my summary. I'm going to read this um, synopsis that the Chicago Tribune posted about this book. In her novel, My Year of Rest and Relaxation, Moshfeg pushes the question of how unlikable a character can get even further. The story follows a rich young white woman in New York City at the turn of the millennium who is so over existence that she decides to take as many drugs as possible and sleep her life away. Um, she is, the narrator doesn't have a name. She's just known as the narrator. She is very depressed. She is a recent graduate of Columbia. She got her master's in art and she's working at this gallery and she is so overwhelmed by life. She starts napping every single day under her desk. She basically goes to work and naps and then wakes up and leaves her job and goes to sleep at home. Um, She is constantly annoyed by her best friend, Reva. And Reva is obsessed with being super pretty and super popular and climbing the New York City ladder. And the narrator just has no time for it at all. Honestly, kind of (laughs) same. And so the narrator decides that she is literally so over existence that she is going to take one year and just sleep. She's going to sleep all the whole entire year and she's going to wake up and she is going to start life over again. So she goes to this doctor who is super sketchy and the doctor gives her tons of different drugs. And the narrator starts taking all of these drugs, but then she starts waking up and seeing Polaroids and pictures on her phone that she's going out and doing things while she thinks that she's sleeping. So she hires this artist who worked at the gallery to lock her in her apartment and every three days come back, wake her up, like make sure she gets fed and showered and then leave her again. And she sells all of her things and she literally just sleeps and it's about her strange bizarre journey that sounds really bizarre it is so weird it's so weird i don't even know when you when you hear it you're like it's about a woman who just sleeps <laughs> yes but it's it's so interesting i don't know how <laughs> but like if she's moving around while she's sleeping that's the interesting part yeah it's because she's on so many different drugs she like 
her brain is so foggy. She doesn't remember anything that she's doing. That's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. That's so terrifying. That's scarier than my book, I think. You want to hear my summary? I would love to. Okay. Mine, I didn't write it down. Um, I found it on Goodreads. Um, Yeah, because why write one when there are many out there? Um, So, Vicious by V.E. Schwab. Victor and Eli started out as college roommates. Brilliant, arrogant, lonely boys who recognized the same sharpness and ambition in each other. In their senior year, a shared research interest in adrenaline, near-death experiences, and seemingly supernatural events reveals an intriguing possibility. That, under the right conditions, someone could develop extraordinary abilities. But when their thesis moves from the academic to the experimental, things go horribly wrong. Ten years later, Victor breaks out of prison, determined to catch up with his old friend, now foe, aided by a young girl whose reserved nature obscures a stunning ability. Meanwhile, Eli is on a mission to eradicate every other superpowered person that he can find, aside from his sidekick, an enigmatic woman with an unbreakable will. Armed with the terrible power or with terrible power on both sides, driven by the memory of betrayal and loss, the arch nemeses have set a course for revenge. But who will be left alive at the end? In Vicious, V.E. Schwab brings to life a gritty comic book style world in a in vivid prose, a world where gaining superpowers doesn't automatically lead to heroism and a time when allegiances are called into question. Woo! I know, right? Good summary. Good reads. Yeah. I know. Love it. Um, Do you have any fun facts about your author slash book? I couldn't find a ton of things about my author, but I have a few that I'm going to share with you. So her very first novel, Eileen, um, was shortlisted for the Booker Prize and was a fiction finalist for the National Book Critics Circle Award and won the Hemingway Foundation Award. Um, so that book was really sweeping. This is her yeah, second book. Yeah, holy cow. I know. And also, I found this fun fact, and I don't know if it's true, because I will be honest, I found it on Wikipedia. But um, she... Hey, hang on. I need to call out something about Wikipedia. Okay. It is a severely fact-checked website like it is it totally it, it is. is peer moderated but they do like check their facts and make sure that all of the sources are correct so i would say if it's on wikipedia it's probably true that's true it's way better than it was when we were in high school when yeah. we were told never to trust wikipedia it's usually very factual now but sometimes things sneak through the cracks but she contracted cat scratch fever And so she left New York City and she got her MFA at Brown University. Just thought you should know. That is something that actually does terrify me sometimes when I get scratched by a cat. Because like you can get cat scratch fever. Well, Otasha got it. (laughs) I've never heard of someone actually getting it. I've just been terrified of that happening. You can give her a ring and see how her experience was. Um, Yeah. And my last fun fact is about the book, and we'll definitely chat about it a little bit more later, but the rights to this book have been 
purchased, but I will say by who at the end because it's kind of exciting. It is exciting. You want my fun facts? Always, Julia. You always have really good fun facts. Ah, thanks. I mean, I always want to ask and then sometimes you say no, but I tell you anyway. So (laughs) just like to keep you on your toes. Yeah, which is good. Um, So all of these actually came from V.E. Schwab's Instagram. So yeah, I mean, you probably know this information. And if you like obsessively follow V.E. Schwab, like I I do on Instagram, you would already know this information. But if you don't, uh, here are my three fun facts. The first one is V.E. Schwab uses she, they pronouns, which is very cool in my opinion. Um, She also has two cats. They're so cute. They're so cute. Their names are Chauncey and Thomas. Chauncey is like a fluffy gray cloud. And Thomas is a sleek black with like white randomly. And they're just, they're almost polar opposites of cats, just both in personality and in just type. And so they're so fun when they pop up on her Instagram stories. I love it so much. They are so cute. Yeah. Um, And finally, she said this on her Instagram stories, but she's working on a secret sapphic novel. And I'm very excited when she reveals more about it. That is very, very exciting. Um, Just in case some of our listeners don't know, do you want to explain what a sapphic novel is? Uh, Sure. It's just a novel about lesbians. There you go. I just know there might be one or two of you who didn't yeah, know. So no, that's, that's, that's a really good point. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just a secret lesbian book, and I'm very excited for it. Amazing. Julia, yeah. thanks for always coming through with those fun facts. I try to make them fun. Um, okay, so we are doing your book first. Yes. And this will be conversational, but also kind of interview style, where I'm Ooh. the interviewer and you're the interviewee, right? I love it. I'm ready. I'm ready to be interviewed. Mm -hmm. So, Maggie. Yes. How did you come across my year of rest and relaxation? Um, Actually, one of the book podcasts that I listen to, Books Unbound, which I've talked about a little bit Mm -hmm. on our podcast, Mm -hmm. it is one of the host's favorite book. And she talks about it all of the time. And she talked about it so much that I just thought to myself, I have got to check out this book. And I fell in love with it. Oh, I love that. I really hope someone listens to our podcast and is like, they talk about this book all of the time. That would be amazing. And then do the same thing. That would be so cool. I wonder how many people have discovered V.E. Schwab because of you. I don't know. Maybe I'm like personally responsible for making her just much larger than than she (laughs) used to be. All right. So you came across the book through Books Unbound. Um, What genre is this one? Oh, it's definitely a drama, no doubt. It's all about her emotional journey and figuring out what it means to exist in New York City in the early Mm -hmm. 2000s. Is it like a psychological thriller at all or just straight up drama? I mean, it's a little bit scary just thinking that you could exist without knowing that you're going out and doing things. But Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it's a thriller. Um, There are definitely aspects of a thriller just with like the terrible doctor that she goes to who's encouraging her to take all of these drugs and Mm -hmm. the behaviors that she's exhibiting but 
I think it's so focused on her emotional journey and her personality that it has to be a drama. Okay. Cool. There aren't I feel like there aren't a ton of those where it's just straight up dramatic book. No, Maybe I just don't read not. those. <laughs> that's probably true because I I think they're probably pretty popular in just contemporary fiction. Like most mm. Yeah. Classic contemporary fiction is just a drama. But usually there's also a sprinkling of something like romance or... Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I meant. Just like usually there's some sort of like comedy or romance or adventure that happens with the drama. So just having a straight up drama is, is interesting. Yes. Um, What made you choose this for the Unlikable Protagonist episode? Um, honestly, I read this book last fall, not this book, a different book called Boy Parts. And then I read Eileen, also by Atesha Moshveg. And I was like, we need to do an episode on unlikable characters because I think that they're so interesting. Mm -hmm. The only thing is, is that the character of Eileen in Eileen is truly despicable to me so much so that I, I, I didn't root for her at all. Right. And even if a character is unlikable, I still want to be curious about their lives. I want to be mm -hmm. able to root for them a little bit. And that's what I really, really love about my year of rest and relaxation is that she does go through a change. Like at the end of the year, she is a different person to how she was in the beginning. And she is attempting to live her life. She doesn't want to sleep anymore. And I think that even though she is absolutely horrible sometimes there is something about her that is such a fight like a fighter that i just really love the character mm -hmm. so is her character arc subtle would you say um very yeah um because it's really really it's really really small one of the biggest changes that occurs in the book is she detests her best friend throughout mm -hmm. the entire book she is so annoyed with her doesn't want her to come over wants her to leave her alone and when she decides that she wants to stay awake, she actively tries to call her and keep that friendship alive because mm -hmm. that's the only person who has constantly treated her with respect. And does her friend, I mean, is this a spoiler? Does her friend like let her come back into her life? It is definitely a spoiler. So skip, skip, skip. Um, <laughs> and it, it's it's a part of the book that I'm actually going to read out loud. Mm, okay. is a huge spoiler as well. But um, her best friend ends up dying <gasps> in 9-11, um, oh, and she no. never hears from her again. Oh, no. I just got goosebumps. I know. It's emotional. I cried at the end of this book. I know. That's devastating. It's so hard because you, you spend this whole – you spend 300 pages with this woman who hates being alive who is absolutely alone and doesn't want to mm -hmm. exist. And then when she's finally ready to take a tiny step forward, she once again has nobody. That is terrible. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to read this book. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, moving past this, are there any unsung heroes in your book? That is a very interesting question. I would say the only person who could be an unsung hero is um, Reva, the best friend character, okay. who 
constantly tries to keep the narrator alive and calls her all of the time and visits and cleans up her apartment for her and like gets her food to make sure that she's doing okay. Mm-hmm. And honestly, <laughs> one of the main characters in this book is just called the bodega coffee guy. And he constantly makes sure that she's okay. She'll like go up to him many times. And he's like, you were here. Like when she was supposed to be sleeping, she's mm-hmm. like, oh, sorry. And he'll like tell her the things that she bought and like keep her accountable uh-huh. and keep track of her. And he is definitely a hero. I love that. That's cute. Okay. All right. <laughs> better mood now. Yep. Um, yeah. Holy cow. That got like really sad before the unsung heroes. Do you have a favorite line or section you want to share from this book? Yes. I'm literally going to read from part of the last chapter. So it's a huge spoiler and it is super, super sad and definitely a trigger warning. But this is the part of the book that made me like I had to put the book down. I was crying so hard. It okay wrecked me. Oh no. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're not. I'm sorry for upsetting anybody. I don't want to make you sad, but this part of the book is so good. It's worth sharing. Okay. On September 11th, I went out and bought a new TV VCR at Best Buy so I could record the news coverage of the planes crashing into the Twin Towers. Trevor was on a honeymoon in Barbados, I'd later learn, but Reva was lost. Reva was gone. I watched the videotape over and over to soothe myself that day. And I continue to watch it, usually on a lonely afternoon or any other time I doubt that life is worth living or when I need courage or when I am bored. Each time I see the woman leap off the 78th floor of the North Tower, one high-heeled shoe slipping off and hovering up over her, the other stuck on her foot as though it were too small, her blouse untucked, hair flailing, limbs stiff as she plummets down, one arm raised like a dive into a summer lake, I am overcome by awe. Not because she looks like Reva, and I think it's her, almost exactly her, and not because Reva and I had been friends or because I'll never see her again, but because she is beautiful. There she is, a human being, diving into the unknown, and she is wide awake. I'm like about to tear up. It's so I know. I got a little teary here, too. (laughs) Dang. Yeah. That's like part of the reason I love this book so much is like, this woman is absolutely the worst for so much of the book, but mm-hmm. then she has a moment like that, a moment of like clarity and beauty and where she really recognizes how she's actually doing emotionally. And it's written mm-hmm. so well. You know, Tasha Moshbeg is like brilliant. Yeah. Rose writer. All right. So on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the worst, how like awful is the protagonist? Like where, where does she fall? I think her awfulness absolutely comes from her privilege and how unkind she is to her friends and the people around her. But she does have an arc. So I'm going to give her a seven and a half. Okay. That's not bad. That's not too bad. Not terrible. Um, Eileen, her other book, is personally, I think, a 10. (laughs) Eileen is terrible. That book was actually hard for Uh, me to read because Eileen was the worst. I I feel like I vaguely remember you telling me about reading Eileen. I sent you a lot of Like when you were reading it, yes. (laughs) I was not happy. No, I wouldn't be either. I send you texts like that all the time Mm -hmm. Um, when I'm reading books. (laughs) 
So what is the worst thing you'd say happens in your book? Is it that Rava dies? Um, I think it is is something different. I think it's sort of twofold. So I think the worst thing that definitely happens is Rava dying just when um, they had a chance for a friendship. And also Rava was really trying to better her life. Um, Rava was involved in an affair with her boss and her boss had transferred Mm. her to the World Trade Center. And she was starting to actually like climb up through the company, which had been her dream this entire time. And so I think she missed out on sort of living the life that she wanted. And then like sort of the worst and sort of a part that like prickles my skin, it's like kind of unsettling, Mm -hmm. is um, the narrator gets the art gallery guy um, to help her with her project to lock her in her apartment. Yes. And she tells him that he can take pictures of her while she's unconscious for his art project. But those parts are never explained at all because she's sleeping. So she's not recounting it, but it makes me unsettled. Like it, it. That is really uncomfortable. Why would you give someone permission to do that? You have to be in such a terrible state of mind, I think, to even be willing to think it. Yeah. It's disturbing. It's one of those things. Yeah. It gives me. I'm not sure what it gives me, but like a bad taste in my mouth. I agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So conversely, what is the best thing that happens in this book? Well, I think absolutely the best thing is that she wakes up. Like she decides to be better. Her doctor's name is Dr. Tuttle. And um, she's constantly getting drugs from this horrible, crazy Mm -hmm. doctor. Yeah. And one day... um, she stops calling her and the doctor calls her over and over and over again. And she um, gets rid of her phone. So she never has to talk to the doctor again. And she like basically has been living off of her inheritance. And instead of buying really nice things, she goes to Goodwill and she buys thrifted items. And she just decides that she's going to like live her life simply. So she just reads books in the park and tries to enjoy just being alive. And it's that's such a beautiful ending, I think. Like, yeah, that's a really good point to hit. Like when you hit that point in life where you're like, I don't need anything. I would yeah. just rather be doing things that make me happy. It's so nice good. Absolutely. I, I thought that her mental health and like emotional journey just really came to such a peaceful place. Like she didn't want to be a hugely different person. She just wanted to find peace in her life. And I think that that's just really, it's a really beautiful way to end the book. Mm-hmm. It's like a nice, soft act three, I thought. Yeah, totally. So what are some of the things the author did well in portraying, you know, the unlikableness? Or she's not really morally gray. She's just not a very unlikable, or she yeah. is an unlikable character. I wouldn't say she's really morally gray because she doesn't, I mean, she's, horrible to people Mm -hmm. and she takes illegal drugs which we don't condone but she's not doing terrible heinous crimes or anything right right Um, where my book you do terrible heinous crimes. yes (laughs) (laughs) i think honestly what the author does so well with it is that it's an absolute honest portrayal of this character it's the narrator 
doesn't even have a name, which I think is very clever in that you sort of build her for yourself. You know that she's a rich, white, young woman living in New York City. And then after that, you sort of get to create a lot of who she is for yourself, Mm -hmm. I think, in keeping her unnamed. Yeah. And she doesn't beat around the bush when this character is being awful and like cruel to people who she thinks are less than her. Mm -hmm. But what she also does so clever is that, you know, when she gets fired from her art gallery job because she's sleeping under her desk, there's this moment where she doesn't fight it. She just takes her resignation papers and like quietly leaves. And that was the first moment where I had so much pity for her because if she had thrown a huge fit or like been a huge brat about it, I think she would have been the absolute worst. Mm-hmm. But because she was so resigned and quiet and accepting her fate, I sort of understood that she was in such a bad state mentally that you just want her to be better. And you just keep wishing over and over and over again. Like you almost feel like Rava sometimes because the two of you are just constantly hoping that the narrator is going to feel better. And I think that that's the best thing that the author could have done in depicting this character is giving her, um, is making you feel like you want to root for her. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. But also, I mean, when you're fired, have you, not that you've been fired. I haven't either. Would you throw a fit? Like if you are doing something that would condone being fired anyway? Would I? Absolutely not. I wouldn't yeah. either. I would be like, well, this sucks. And then go. Um, But the way the character had been described up until that point mm-hmm. and the way that she had before then like really blown up at Reva and sort of really, really gave a lot of attitude to her coworkers and to her friends. It was shocking that she didn't say anything as she left. Okay. All right. Let's talk about this uh, movie. Okay. The rights have been purchased by Margot Robbie. Mm. And I have to say, okay. Margot Robbie playing this role is sublime casting. I could 100% see that. Me too. Me too. When I read that she had the rights, I was like, oh my God, she would be so good. So good in this mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. So it's going to be Margot Robbie. We can only dream. Eventually. Yeah. Um, would you be a character in this book? Well, if I had to pick somebody, I would be Bottega Coffee Guy. Yeah. Everyone else is a little bit unhinged. <laughs> understandable yeah yeah love that all right not great not great no but the bodega guy he just seems like an upstanding citizen honestly he's the nicest person in the whole book gotta have those yeah someone's got to be the nice person around here yeah just to show how truly awful the characters you're reading about are exactly you get it yeah Um, Do you have any book recommendations for people that have read My Year of Rest and Relaxation? Um, The natural thing to uh, recommend is Eileen because it's by the same author. Mm -hmm. Um, Honestly, I had so much difficulty with that book, though, because Eileen is really despicable. And a lot of her behaviors are 
really, really uh, described with mm-hmm. quite a lot of detail. And some sometimes it made me feel very gross and it was hard to read sometimes. But the style of writing is the same. And I recognize that maybe I'm in the wrong because Eileen has been really, really highly regarded by a lot of people mm-hmm. in the book community. It just wasn't my cup of tea. Also, if you're looking for more unlikable characters, um, I talked about this in one of our minisodes, but I had read Boy Parts, Mm -hmm. which was by Eliza Clark, I think. And that is really just about a very mean girl who takes pictures of men. And that's all I can really say. Yeah. Do you remember when I talked about that? Yeah, I remember that now. I was like, I know this title. I know you've talked about it. Yes, I remember that now. Yeah, um, it was really not great. But the last thing that I want to recommend is um, this is kind of different, but the distance between us. It's by Maggie O'Farrell, and I'm mostly recommending it based off of uh, the style of prose. The writing mm-hmm. is very, very similar, and the way um, Maggie O'Farrell describes characters and doesn't really beat around the bush in their behaviors is very much so the same. But her characters are a little bit more likable. Well, there's that at least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ah, well, and thanks. That is quite a book. Thanks for no sharing problem. it. That is uh, my year of rest and relaxation. So take another deep breath, you guys, because we're in for round two of terrible people. Oh, <laughs> how the turntables. <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, um, Julia. Yes. How did you come across this book, Vicious, by V.E. Schwab? I bought it at a Barnes & Noble. I'm pretty sure that's it. I I got it last June, I think, because I vaguely remember doing an Instagram post where I got like three different V.E. Schwab books at oh, the yes. same time. And this was one of them um, because I had read... Addie LaRue, but then had also read Darker Shade of Magic, and that one was really awesome. And so then I picked up Vicious. I think maybe I saw somewhere that this one was kind of about villains and Mm -hmm. just like characters that aren't great. And that's something that generally just appeals to me. I'm always one to be into a tragic backstory when it comes to reading so i love a villain's story like wicked yeah love it mm. um twisted have you seen that musical about jafar from aladdin i have not okay i'm gonna send you the link it's please do it's amazing <laughs> okay <laughs> i but love like that it. kind of stuff is interesting to me yes i love it i love knowing what the villains are doing when it's not from the hero's point of view, because mm-hmm. they always have a reason. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I came across it. I found it at Barnes & Noble. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, what genre would you say this book is? Uh, I would say this one is contemporary fantasy. So mm-hmm. it is, it's not an urban fantasy where like Crescent City is, but contemporary fantasy as in kind of magical realism it's set in an earth-like setting and it has superheroes in it or people with superpowers in it um which is where the fantasy part comes from yeah there's 
It's not quite because it's definitely fantasy, but there's almost an element of sci-fi. Just yeah, because. yeah, or like a paranormal sort yeah. of yeah, sort of vibe to it. Absolutely, but yeah, uh, it definitely goes into like scientific stuff in into like adrenaline and stuff. So I could definitely see sci-fi. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, What made you choose this for the episode? Well, you proposed unlikable protagonist slash anti-heroes. And I was like, well, I don't know about unlikable protagonists, but I definitely have an anti-hero book. (laughs) And then was like, I like this book. I think Vicious might be my favorite V.E. Schwab book. So I was excited to talk about that too. Oh, that's so exciting. I... Mm -hmm. Loved Vicious. I read it in a day. I could not put this book down. Yeah. No, it's super good. It's amazing. I have to ask Julia because your book technically has two antiheroes. Yes. So the question is, are you Team Victor or Team Eli? Oh, 100% Team Victor. That's not even a question. But for those of you that have not read this book... The the book itself is kind of split between Eli's and Victor's narratives. And so you see both sides of them like fighting against each other. They're both incredibly morally gray. Um, and Victor is, I think Victor is more of the main character than Eli is. Whereas in the second book, I think Eli might be more of a main mm-hmm. character, sort of. But Victor was framed by Eli when they were in college or not really framed because he did do what he got called on the cops for, but um, he gets caught because Eli calls the police on him and then goes to prison for 10 years. And so we follow Victor's vengeance story. And I just, I believe his story and can get behind it more than Eli's story of like, He thinks that because he has this regenerative healing power now that God is working through him and God has told him to kill all of the other people that have superpowers. And I was like, that's not something God is really into. I don't think killing other people is is really what he wants you to do there. Like, I, that's definitely not what he's asking. Right. Like, it's quite a leap to go from I can heal myself to I need to murder everyone else. Eli is the definition of, like, sociopath. Self- yeah. Yep. Yeah. Took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> God complex. Sociopath. Inflated yes. ego. Unhinged. Uh, yeah. Whereas Victor completely owns up to all of his, like, terrible qualities and he's like very emotional but reserved about it so we get to see it because we're in victor's head but like externally he's not a very he's kind of an emotionless person yeah absolutely but that is that's what i think makes an unlikable protagonist or an anti-hero likable is when they own up to their failings but are still trying to do better yeah, I agree. And that's why I'm on Victor's side instead of Eli's, because Eli thinks that he is God's gift to man. I am forever team Victor. He can do <laughs> no, I mean, he does do wrong. He does a lot of wrong. He's he's out there doing his best with what he's been given. To do wrong, though. Like, he's yes. doing his best and do he's successfully doing what he's intending to do. 
Absolutely. But Which I want him to win. Stuff. It's I like do when, too. It's like when I watch Breaking Bad and I'm like, yes, please. I want the drug dealer to win. And I'm like, why? <laughs> why do I want that? <laughs> I never really got into Breaking Bad. I just loved that for you. Thank you. <laughs> Actually, if I have to be honest, the person in that show, and this will kind of mean nothing to you, but it'll mean a lot to my dad who's listening. Mm-hmm. The, the only person who I really, really want to succeed in that show is the chicken guy, Gus. I, and I just want him to build his drug empire. That's all I want. Okay. Does anyway. he like own a bunch of chickens? Um, well, he owns like a basically like a KFC. He owns oh. a chicken restaurant as a way to like hide and filter his money because he has like a drug empire in yeah. the United States. Yeah, yeah. Did so. you notice I built a house around my body? I when did. I a drug empire. <laughs> drug empire. Also pyramid scheme since you're making a pyramid with your body. <laughs> it's basically a pyramid scheme because uh, you start at the bottom and you work your way up. Right, right. You get other people <laughs> to do stuff for you and then they get a cut of it. And then if they get people under them, they get a cut. You know, it is a pyramid scheme. Yeah, you guys... First of all, don't be drug dealers, but definitely don't because it's just a pyramid scheme. (laughs) Right. You got to be at the top. Otherwise, it's not worth it. Exactly. Um, Moving on. Julia, do you have a favorite line or section you would like to share? I do. So my favorite section, um, one of my favorite sections, I'm actually not going to talk about the end much Mm -hmm. just because... I only got halfway through the reread, and so the end is kind of fuzzy for me. But one of my favorite parts is when Victor has – he's broken out of prison, right? He wants vengeance on Eli, but he doesn't know where Eli is. And so he figures it out eventually. And when he does, he sends Eli a message. And the message is just a crudely drawn stick figure picture of him, like, of Victor holding the hand of, like, a shorter girl because he meets, a like, a 14-year-old girl who also has superpowers and is helping him with his stuff now. And he, like, adopts her sort of into his group and, like, takes care of her, which, I mean, even as a morally gray bad guy, he's still, like picks up this 14-year-old and is like, you can stay with us. It's cool. Yes. The 14-year-old and her dog. (laughs) I know. I know. Like, she shows him her superpower and then she's like, can I keep him? And he just, like, lets it happen and is fine with it. Honestly, this misfit family I am 100% here for where this 14-year-old has, like, two criminal dads and a dog that used to be dead but has been raised from the dead to just be her dog what a ragtag group of people i know i i'm with them 100 percent. anyway he sends a message through um like the girl raises someone that eli killed gives him the note and then has this person bring the note to eli um And it's just a stick picture, a stick figure picture of him holding the 14-year-old's hand. And um, 
on the bottom, like underneath it, it says, I made a friend. And and that's it. That's it. That's just the message. That's the only message he sends to Eli. But Eli suddenly starts like panicking, which I think is hilarious because like on it, you get a stick figure picture that says I made a friend on it. You don't immediately think that you're going to have a panic attack about it, <laughs> which I just thought it was really funny. So that's maybe my favorite section. That's amazing. I'm going to keep yeah. that in mind that you just... Because what I hear from that is you want me to just send you postcards of me and Matilda as stick figures? Yeah, with just like one sentence underneath. Done. Worth the price of postage. So Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's like if if the person that you're trying to mild, mildly threaten understands like stick figure pictures... I think that's also quite a relationship and very funny. So very funny. I think it really speaks to their relationship that Victor knew he would get under Eli's skin with just that. I know, right? He didn't even say anything threatening. Nope. So the reason Eli is also like panicking is because he shot the 14 year old and like thought he killed her. But she survived, and then Victor found her. Um, so that's like another reason that he's panicking is because he thought that he killed this girl, and she is still alive, and now she is with his enemy. That's right. Well, that's what you mm-hmm. get for not finishing yeah. your job. Yeah, God really was working <laughs> against you here. He really was. Um, Julia, are there any unsung heroes of your book? Yes, yes, there is. I put this question on here specifically for this because this is also maybe my favorite line in the book. Okay, I'm so ready. (laughs) Okay, so we know that Eli is the worst. He's working with the 14-year-old, her her older sister, and her sister's name is Serena. So he met Serena in college where he was posing as a senior in college because he doesn't age anymore. Anyway, that was just the background. So, well, if you see them, called the girl. Thank Serena for the apartment. Oh, and tell Eli he sucks. <laughs> and that's it. Like, this is the unsung hero. The unsung hero. Some pedestrian. Tell Eli he sucks. <laughs> this uh, random pedestrian is arguably on par with Bodega Coffee Guy. I agree. I think that they have the same vibe going. They definitely have the same energy. (laughs) (laughs) So that is uh, specifically, I put that question on here just so I could say (laughs) this, this girl (laughs) made me laugh so hard. I'm so happy you did that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What would you say is the worst thing that happens in Vicious? There are a lot of really bad things that happen in Vicious. I think maybe the the worst thing are the casualties that happen that mm-hmm. were unnecessary. Um, so, I mean, Eli is going around and killing extraordinaries or EOs, um, which are people that have survived a near-death experience. And, well, it's not near-death. They actually died and then came back with like superpowers essentially the superpowers range from a lot of different things because it's based on what you were thinking about when you were dying 
So like Victor, when he gets turned into an EO, he his death near death experience is that he goes through electroshock. Basically, he goes through like a really intense amount of um, electricity, just shocking his body. And it does it so hard that it kills him. Um, And then he comes back and he can control like electric currents in people now. And when he does this, his one of his closest friends, that was not Eli. It was um, Angie. And Angie is this like vivacious, redheaded woman. She's so smart. She's an engineer. Just great. She's like the sunshine that shows up in this book. And then suddenly he electrocutes her. It was an accident, but he that's like the first thing he does when he wakes up from his near-death experiences. He turns the electroshock on Angie without knowing that he did and electrocutes her and she dies. And that is awful because that happens so early in the book. And and there's so much more. And now we don't have any sunshine anymore. But then Sydney, the 14-year-old, shows up with her dog. So there's that. But it's Which is not good. the same. And no, that part was so heartbreaking because mm-hmm. up until that point, that was the person that Victor cared about most was mm-hmm. Angie. And I, to be the reason that one of your friends died is like That's something terrible. that he, he can't get over. Yeah. No. And I mean, to throw like lemon in the paper cut, uh, Angie was also Eli's girlfriend. So that's unfortunate. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, But to 180, what would you say is the best thing? Mm, Mitch, the character Mitch. I love him. Big, big hulky dude covered in tattoos. You'd think that he went to prison because he was Victor's cellmate. You'd think he went to prison for like murdering an entire van of people. Um, No, he went to prison for hacking and that is it. Like this, this giant dude is just a nerd. He's just like a nerd. He's a little cinnamon roll. He He, he doesn't. Computer hacking, you guys, that's it. He is the sweetest and he's the only main character who doesn't have a superpower. Mm Mm-hmm. And he loves chocolate milk, which I think is adorable. It is really cute. Everything about him just screams cute. I know, even though he's like the size of Dwayne Johnson and covered in tattoos. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely the most wholesome part of the whole book. For real. He's like 100% the best part. And he's super smart. Yes. He's not a wasted character at all. It's mm-hmm. not like he's just with them. V.E. Schwab doesn't waste her characters. No, she doesn't. No. Well, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the worst, where does Mm -hmm. your um, quote-unquote protagonist fall? Well, I think Eli is a 10. I think he's the worst. He is the worst. But I would say Victor may be an 8. Maybe a 9 at points, but I'd say because he adopts Sydney, because he – his – reason for doing stuff has a logical reason behind it i'd say he is not the worst yeah i would agree but I, mean, I mean that's a slippery slope you can, it's ha- a slippery you can slope. find a logical reason for a lot of things but he is trying to do 
the best he can and also to like save other eos from eli yeah that's the thing too is like he goes to prison because of eli gets out 10 years later and is there like his initial goal is to just murder the heck out of eli even though eli can't die well he regenerates he can die but it it's tricky and then it turns from completely murderizing him to saving other people by murderizing him and i think that that turns him into the anti-hero that he is i think so too yes because it could just be a revenge story but it's mm-hmm. not especially when he picks up sydney who was attacked by eli it becomes mm-hmm. so much more about saving other people and that's what makes him a good person. He would cringe to hear you say that he's a good person. He would cringe to know that I try to see the best in people. <laughs> yeah, that too. In reality, we would not get along. <laughs> Probably not. You would be the unsung hero. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Okay, I don't know who I need to email, but if they turn this into a TV show or movie, I'm emailing the casting director and being like, please cast me as unsung hero number one. <laughs> Please cast me as the girl that says, tell Eli he sucks. That's all I want. It's the only <laughs> thing you need for my acting career. Oh, my God. Can I be in the background of that and just say, agreed, and just leave it at that? We can be like a duo. I'll include oh you in my email. I'll Love CC that. you. Perfect. We've got it. Great. Um, well, what would you say are some things that V.E. Schwab did well in portraying the morally grayness throughout the novel? That is a very good question that I wrote down super late last night and thought I had an answer. And no, I don't. I think V.E. Schwab just does really well in describing everything. Yeah, like absolutely. Her, her writing creates a picture in your head that is that makes it like unquestionable that these characters aren't good people. She does it like with their their thoughts that we see when we're in each of their heads. She does it with the way that they communicate with the world around them. Like Victor does a thing with his electricity since he like had 10 years to perfect it basically where he'll just put out like the tiniest pulse just as a bubble, which makes people want to avoid him. Not necessarily because he doesn't want to talk to people, although I don't think he wants to talk to people or that (laughs) he, like, wants to be avoided. It's just one of those things where it's, like, he doesn't think that he should be around other people. And so he pushes others away, and he just does it so naturally. And then Eli... She describes his face a lot Mm -hmm. in how he has a mask, kind of. So he has, like, this this perfect all-American boy mask that he wears. And then he has slip-ups where Victor sees when they're roommates in college. That's what Victor likes about Eli. He's like, oh, this guy is just as bad as I am. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of like seeing the two different types of 
villains, the ones that don't want to be around others and that keep themselves secluded and the ones that are, they try to mask their villainy through good intentions. Yeah. I think Quote, unquote, good intentions. V.E. Schwab is just so good at writing morally gray characters or just like Mm. really, really complicated people. Yeah. And queer characters. She's really good at doing that too. Yeah, no, her books always have a lot of representation, which is amazing. Yeah. And I don't really remember if there's much representation in this book, but I feel like I read somewhere that Victor is asexual. Um, It's mentioned, I wouldn't say vaguely, but it's just like not explicitly said in the sequel, Vengeance, Mm. that he loved Angie, but he wasn't like sexually attracted to her. I vaguely remember that. But yeah. Yeah. I didn't look up whether this is going to be a show or a movie. Ooh, should we look it up really quick right now? I think so. Okay, I'll do a drum roll. Okay. Uh, There's some conflicting sort of information, but from what I can see, 2013 is the last time any of this information has been updated. Oh, dear. But possible movie adaptation. Sweet. That would be fun. Yeah. So ambiguous. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any immediate casting thought if they give you a call and they're like, Julia, help us? Honestly, you know, I immediately think, so Victor has like white hair Mm -hmm. and he's just lanky and wears all black. He's just like massive emo. Um, And so the first thing that I think of is like Draco Malfoy, but from the sixth movie when he's like really gaunt and trying to figure out (sighs) the vanishing cabinets totally yeah i see that i see that yeah i don't know that i want him to do that though (laughs) but he definitely has that vibe yeah i think tom felton could totally do it but i also think that i see so much of him like as a cinnamon roll on instagram now that I don't necessarily want to throw him back into a morally gray character. That's fair. Yeah. Almost last question, Julia. If you could be a character from this book, who would you be and why? I don't know. Because, like, I think Victor is probably my favorite character. I don't know that I would want to be Victor. And that's always an issue with me is, like, sometimes I just love characters and want to be them. And sometimes I just love the characters but i think um, if i had to be in this universe i would enjoy being mitch i could see that i also think that you would be so good in the second book um the shapeshifter character she would be cool i don't remember her name but i don't either but i know who you're talking about where like she can't shift into her regular body but yeah I oh her superpower is so interesting too because like she can shift into others and then if she sustains an injury in that body it hurts the real person that she turns into which is so weird and cool but also why she can't like look like herself because then she would actually hurt herself that character is so badass and so complicated oh thank you (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) Um, Julia, do you have any book recommendations for people who are looking for something similar to Vicious? I do. I have two recommendations. The first one, 
um, is Chosen Ones by Veronica Roth. It also features kind of anti-hero sort of situation. Um, it wasn't my exact cup of tea, mostly because I wanted it to be Divergent, because I love Divergent. <laughs> um, but it is cool in that it there are multiple universes in it. The Chosen Ones, there's like a group of people that are supposedly chosen ones that are going to save the world. And the main girl is kind of like the rebel of the group and she's pretty cool. So that one. And then also in another anti-hero thing, um, the Moon Knight comics by uh, Jeff Lemire and Greg Smallwood. Fabulous recommendation, Julia. Thank you. I was looking at my shelves and was like, the only one I have right now is Chosen Ones, but I know I've read something recently that I think would work for this. And so I had to like scour my stuff of just like all of the things that I've read recently. And then I was like, oh my God, of course it's Moon Knight. Like, of course it is. Um, Those comics are really cool and the artwork is really pretty. So you should check them out. Amazing. And talk about some morally gray characters. Oh, right. That is a really good recommendation, Julia. Thank you. You're welcome. It's like we do this on a regular basis. It's like we're really good or something. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I made it super awkward. But with that, we heckin' did it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, share us with your other bookish friends and family. If you're listening with Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review the show. We are off to record our newest mini-sode for our Patreon. If you're interested in joining our Novel Finds community on Patreon, follow the link in our bio. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Novel Finds Podcast. Thank you so much for being a novel friend. We'll see you all next, next week. Next week. Next week. With an author chat. (laughs) Yes. Julia is hosting our next author interview. So tune in next week for that. Bye. Bye.